How's it going, everyone? Welcome to this edition of the Anime Limited Podcast. Bit of a different one this time, as it is our annual Scotland Loves Anime special, recorded on location in Edinburgh during the festival itself. For those of you who have not listened to a podcast like this one before, it's a very, very different feel. We actually have the judges from Scotland Loves Anime in talking about each of the films as spoiler-free as possible. There may be some minor talks of plot lines and such. Advance warning. We also have Jonathan Clements in on the panel, co-author of the Anime Encyclopedia, and also the head of the judges' jury to discuss all things Scotland Loves Anime, the films in competition, and I think you're going to get a real kick out of this one. It's a really fun listen, some really insightful discussion. Oh, and also a bit of a random one for you. You may notice some random sounds in the background at times. So if you hear them, just ignore them. Like if you hear running water, if you hear a fridge going a bit mental at times, it it, it just happened. I couldn't help it. Also, heads up as well, you might hear some random sounds like a knocking on the table. Unfortunately, the way the microphone was set up, it actually didn't dampen the sounds like I was hoping. So you might catch a few glimpses of those, but don't worry, totally listenable. Sit back and enjoy for some fun anime discussion. Hello everybody, welcome to the Anime Limited Podcast. It's a special edition, it is the annual Scotland Loves Anime special. We are on location in Edinburgh, our annual jaunt, where we watch far too many anime films for our own good, but we have a blooming good time while we're doing it. I am Jeremy Graves of Anime Limited, joined not in the office studio by one Mr. Keith Copping. Hello. And by El Presidente of Anime Limited, Mr. Andrew Partridge. Hello. Also in the Not Office studio is the Festival Director of Scotland Loves Anime, Mr. Andrew Partridge. (laughs) Hello. And we've also got an esteemed panel of people joining us. And Jonathan Clements. And Jonathan (laughs) Jonathan Clements. (laughs) Starting off with Mr. Jonathan Clements. Hello. And also joining us today, if you'd like to introduce yourselves, please, in no particular order. (laughs) Uh, From the sunny state of California in the US, I'm Miles Thomas. I also happen to work at Control during the daytime sometimes. Hi, I'm Eric uh, from New York, Eric Beckman, and uh, I run a company called G-Kids. Hi, uh, my name's Anna, I'm from National Amusements, uh, so we have showcase cinemas in the UK. And these three people are uh, three quarters of our jury uh, this year on the uh, the Golden Partridge Award. Um, the, the jury member who's not here is uh, Shelley Page from DreamWorks, because we lured her here by telling her she could go shopping on Sunday. Um, so <laughs> she, she's off buying, I don't know, crack or whatever it is that DreamWorks needs uh, for the next production. Um, but uh, we do have the three jurors here who um, have a very uh, uh, animated debate. Oh, see what I did there? Oh. And, uh, last night um, over the films in competition, uh, which were Kingslave, uh, Momotaro's Sacred Sailors, Your Name, and uh, A Silent Voice, which I always mix up because I always keep thinking Silent Scream, which is a song by Slayer and not the same <laughs> in any way. I get, just get I, confused. I actually keep switching A Silent Voice yeah. and Your Name in conversation. It, get, it gets, it gets very just, just try not to do that on the box, Andrew. Cause I must say, I'm very happy that we've had a Slayer reference and it wasn't from me for once. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Jeremy. Um, so um, I'm, I'm wondering how we should go through the film first. Actually, I would like to ask the American visitors first what they make of this film festival because I'm guessing it's not like any film festival we've seen before, or is it incredibly done unlike all of the others? I mean, we have a film uh, festival near Virgin here, and we've got quite the opposite to all that hamster. 
Uh, it seemed like a film festival to me. There was a theater. There were people in the seats. Uh, it's it had an anime crowd, which you know, yes, tilted a little that. more. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and a very baffled man turning up for the Polish film festival a week <laughs> early. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it, it was a real film festival. <laughs> now you're speaking as someone who's previously run your own film festival. Yeah, so we have a, the New York International Children's Film Festival, which uh, I founded and I'm no longer artistic director, but I did that for uh, 18 years and I'm now just on the board. And then I've been to whatever, Berlin, Toronto, Cannes, and all the usual suspects uh, picking up films. So it's, you know, it's, um, it seemed like a lovely... Uh, regional anime festival um, and I thought the vibe was good and the audience was super enthusiastic and um, you know decent cafe in the lobby <laughs> and Miles we brought you over uh, early because we had you on the education day as well which is also part of Scotland Loves Anime Andrew corrals as many animation students from Scotland as he can into a single room and he locks the door and he makes them listen to people from the industry talking about things and what were you talking about? I was talking about piracy. It's uh, my favorite thing after a long day at the office to just go home and crunch numbers on anime piracy. See, I thought you said it's my favorite thing after a long day at the office to go home and pirate stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or to crunch pirates. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. That, that's actually what we call it at the control office, crunching pirates, yeah. Um, and uh, it was an interesting enough talk and it got people asking very intelligent and interesting questions. Um, uh, my presentation wasn't much to speak of, but uh, the audience didn't know the difference. So <laughs> that's all I can ever ask. Uh, the audience did know the difference. I, um, the, I was sitting there watching the amount of notes that were being scrawled on the page by, by the girls next to me. And they were, they were taking a great interest in the numbers you were I throwing think. around. The fact, the moment you said, please don't take photographs because some of this information is you know, not really to be shared, they immediately started writing everything you said. <laughs> um, I think you'll find as well, you've helped several people write their, their final year thesis. Oh, like I, as much, doesn't I? Uh, some of them were very upfront about that and asked for my card so they could do follow-up questions and asked for some of my sources. I'm like, well, the, all the public, all the information I shared is technically public. It's just that I've... Mm. You know, aggregated all together. Right? Aggregated all together and played around with it, and um, I mean, like a lot of these. Uh, there's even like more detail you can get for just spending sixty bucks to some Japanese government agency that ha does nothing but just you know passively watch piracy happen. Which I mean, I guess that's what I do too. So. And and Keith, you've been one of the the poor minions. Stopping people as they leave the cinema and asking them what they've made of the festival. Is there anything that surprised you about the data you've been amassing? No, most of it is the, uh, the usual shit. The usual uh, shit. <laughs> the same sort of stuff on perennial feedback. Oh, I guess, uh, guess we're not PG rated this time. Sorry. No. You've got me here, so okay, probably not. We, we took the language filters off the podcast okay. a few editions ago. When you oh, put okay. me and Kerry in a room, we all swearing In fact, the language filter went following the last Scotland Loves Anime special. <laughs> oh, really? That was the one with the, uh, Just the, the, trigger, the trigger warnings for uh, everything. Yeah, okay. Sorry. For life. Justin Savannah so like is a authoring horror tying story. Tying into the piracy thing, I did have one person I was uh, when I was asking the survey questions. They were like, "Yeah, they they hadn't seen it themselves, obviously, because mm. they were going to see the Your Name showing in the evening." And it's like, "Oh, I'm really looking forward to this." A friend of mine in Canada who's seen it, and I was quizzical face at that point. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not out in Canada, and she saw that, and she's like. 
yeah, she, she saw it the bad way, but uh, she hasn't given me any spoilers, so I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And oh, the, that's, it that's the qualifying coming. I saw it in a bad what way. Didn't what sort of didn't, didn't surprise me. So I went to, I, I gave a presentation for Redline instead of going the, the way of... Yeah, I bet everyone was disappointed. Well, uh, no, actually, I was going to say, the reason they're not is quite straightforward. So I, I basically, like... I, I instead of doing the, the usual information dump, I went with a festival direct point. I'm like, I've explained the fact it's Manga's 25th birthday. Oh, yeah. They were too sad to arrange a birthday party. Yeah. So what we've done <laughs> is true. what we've done is scheduled Redline and the girl electric time to help celebrate and encourage them to tweet yeah. to them saying happy birthday. Maybe they'd like to show up to the festival. Maybe sometime. they would one year. Yeah. Seven years and they've supported yeah. us but never shown up. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just send money. Send money. Every, we've invited them three different times. Yeah, Jerome. Um, Jerome is in Tokyo right now. Yeah, but that's uh, that, him just showing off. In both days <laughs> he didn't. By most days, he you, didn't. You could schedule a different week. Yeah, uh, I think Jerome's looking at the schedule and saying, "Oh, look, Scotland's anime's on. I better go to Tokyo just so I can tweet." Yeah. Well, it's one of those weird ones because Tokyo Film Festival does run exactly the same yeah, time every oh. year, and like I'm like every year, everyone's like, "So we'll see you in Tokyo in October." I'm like, "No, you won't. You'll see me in November, December because I get some peace and quiet from every other international person vying for a 30 minute slot. I can spend one to two hours doing whatever the hell I like. It's great." Yeah. Anyway, so we asked the audience there. Like, I was just like, how many of you have seen Redline before? Because I was mm. pretty sure some people in the audience, a.k.a. Keith, mm. had seen it before and was looking forward times. to it. The millionth screening of it. And 90% of the audience put their hands up. Mm. I was like... And the, the interesting thing is that mm. not all of them, like a, like a minority sort in the first year of Scotland Loves Anime. Right. Like maybe a fifth of the audience <clears> kept their hands up and I said, like, if you saw it from the first year of Scotland Loves yeah. Anime... Put, oh, it adds Scotland of Science, we screened it once before as well. So yeah. is Redline as a social event rather yeah. than as a, you know, a movie? Well, it's, an, it's an experience, certainly. It certainly is. It is like an experience, not unlike being shot out of a okay. cannon. But that pleasantly surprised me to see the amount of people there who not only had seen it before, but wanted the big screen I, experience. I wonder about how the audience arranged their time. There are some people I know who just turn up and watch every film. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're there to watch anime in a very kind of old school 1990s convention way I'm going to watch anime and I'm just going to sit there and watch it there are some people who just kind of cherry pick um, and there are some people who seem to turn up for the social angle which is very I'll tell odd. you what as well there's one thing I, I do appreciate every year having run this is I noticed in the audience for Momotaro actually more mm. things my old um, I did MS Master of Science by Research mm. after my my mm. original degree and my supervisor was sitting there for her two kids mm -hmm. Like so you took them to see Momotaro? Yeah. Well, it's the only, it was the only family-friendly thing this I year. I wouldn't really. call it family-friendly. Well, friendly. no, but I mean, it, it's rated, like, as in it's cleared for the screening. Okay. And they're, they're, they're old enough to see it. It's not like she took, like, infants to go and see Momotaro. I thought all the films I saw were family Yeah, I mean, some, like, you have to be, re it's a really fine line, like, in the UK. Like, one complaint can get you, especially when you're self-certifying, mm -hmm. you're better to go two grades up than to be, be told later... My child went in and is having nightmares now. I'm going to, to complain because yeah. that's the thing which gets you thrown out in the UK. Mm. So, but anyway, like, I mean, it's it, that kind of thing really makes a difference. Beautiful country, well. though. Yeah. It is. I mean, terrible censorship laws, but all right. <clears throat> the children never complain, it's only the parents. Yeah. Mm. Actually, yes, for Miss Hokusai, actually, last year, we did a screening with the director there, like mm. Eiji Haram. We'd rated it a 12A. Like, we'd said it was okay to bring. No, we said PG, actually. We mm. said. 
really there's no context here that mm. that a parent is going to have an awkward time with. There's a wee like one scene where she goes to a like a brothel, but it's not that kind it's of. Not brothel. Stated it's, not, it it's you, not explicitly stated. It is. It's not explicitly. You're six years old. You won't know what's happening. Yeah, you won't know what's happening. It will pass by. And there were two kids, young kids, in front of me in the audience. And I was like, oh god, the parents are with them as well. <laughs> Here we go. But the parents and the kids were both exceptionally well behaved, exceptionally friendly. And afterwards, during the Q and A, one person put their hand up and said, "Don't you think the rating PG is a little bit inappropriate here?" Mm. And I was like, "Well, no." The kids <laughs> in the audience didn't, and no, since it's not been certed yet, mm. you can get jumped. Mm. Unfortunately, BBC, BBC did rate it twelve up. Well, so that, in fact, so. the question was absolutely right. <laughs> yes. and it was an inappropriate rating, and you just insulted another customer. But that's okay. <laughs> but mine, you know, uh, I, 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 apparently, I do that on a regular You do basis. that. You do that a lot. He has a yeah. set quota each year, which yeah. he doesn't hit. Yeah. he gets into trouble for. Mm. Yeah. And the uh, I mean the New York Children's Film Festival presumably has to deal with these kind of issues all the time. Um, do you show subtitle films? Oh yeah, yeah. We show subtitle. I mean we program uh, pretty aggressively and we'll display whatever, whatever we like and then we give it um, an age rating which we just sort of make up based on our gut feeling about it and we're less sensitive to sexual content that we are to violence I would say mm. um, um, but um, yeah well we've shown our hard R-rated content um, you know with plenty of language and stuff like that and we just give some gentle warnings and sort mm. of shame the parents we say in the early days of the mm. festival you know we played this one uh, film it was a our opening night film was Castle in the Sky which of course has spaceships exploding and hundreds of people falling to their death and then we had this other little short film called Postcard which was a little six-year-old sort of contemplative, uh, you know, uh, it took place on the day of his father's funeral, and so he's sort of dealing in a very contemplative, thoughtful way, and parents were, oh my God, you know, children's films should be happy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then so for his next, screen, band his next screenings, we, we sort of gave an intro saying, you know, this isn't Saturday morning cartoons, the idea of the festival is to, you know, present thoughtful blah, 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 and reflect children's actual experience, not some fantasized, dumbed-down experience that we'd like to imagine our children go through. And, oh, and then the film got great ratings after that. So once the parents sort of knew that they were supposed to like the movie, then it was mm -hmm. fine. So, so you're, man you're managing expectations. So we, we definitely program uh, for the kids, and then we manage the parents. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we show we'll show tons of stuff. Especially we have a program called Heebie Jeebies, which is uh, weird. Uh, yeah, I forget what we call you know, just w weird animation, and um, and we'll show you know very very difficult things, and people self-select for scary, freaky, weird stuff, and so. And every now and then, wow, we're showing this to ten-year-olds. But yeah, subtitles, no problem. At the beginning of the festival, people said, "Oh, kids are never, kids are never going to read subtitles." But kids are just like adults, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds. After the film, they forgot that it was subtitles. You know, mm -hmm. they didn't even realize they were reading subtitles, and so mm -hmm. people completely underestimate. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you say that it's the parents that have to be managed because I was at a film festival in Leeds where they showed Kiki's Delivery Service. Uh, and the program said it would be dubbed, and it was a subbed version that, mm -hmm. that came up. Uh, and there were parents leaving, uh, gathering up their children to leave, oh my god, it's subtitles, we have to go, rather than just seeing if they, if they lasted five minutes and, and maybe didn't care. I mean, they were seven and eight years old. The parents were just like, oh god, it's subbed, right, well, that's it. You know, we're going to go and get our money back straight away. Could be a reflection of the parents not wanting to watch subtitles. It could be. Yeah. It could be if you've been, you know, if you've been up all night with someone who's, you I know, mean, being sick on you, the last thing you want to do is watch subtitles. Uh, it's my, it's my, you know, discovery. It was me gonna go. It again. was you being sick on me, though. Oh, it was. I mean, it's not, uh, yeah. 
Well, let's talk I did about... say I'm sorry repeatedly. Yeah, right? so that's not good enough. Uh, let's talk about the films that are in competition uh, because um, the the jury got into the taxi um, and uh, Miles and Eric were already in a fight about uh, Silent Voice and oh. uh, Your Name. Uh, I don't think that was a fight. It was. It was. It was. We <laughs> were being quite animated about it. Everyone was kind of sitting in the taxi kind of waiting, waiting for it to stop. But uh, I wanted to to begin with Kingsglaive, and I'm going to begin with Kingsglaive now because I was pretty sure from the very beginning that it would be what we call the Gusco Badori, which is thrown out of the taxi on the, on the way uh, to the restaurant. Uh, but Anna, you speak as a sometime player of Final Fantasy. So what did you make of it? Yeah, so I used to play a couple of the games when I was a teenager. I think it was Final Fantasy X and XI. Um, so I'd you know, been familiar with the world before, but I know the characters change, the time changes, so you know, it's probably not a lot to relate to from those. Um, but I did enjoy it. I mean, it was, it was quite action-packed. There's a lot of fighting, big monsters, and you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's trying to sell the game, and that's why it's been made from what I've gathered. Um, so if you watch it purely on that level, not expecting a lot of story, a lot of character developments, and you really like Final Fantasy, I think you're going to probably enjoy it. But I think that, you know, if you do look at it as a film, there's quite a lot of flaws in there in the fact. One of the worst things I thought was the way women were represented in there. You've got a princess and you've got a woman who's sort of a warrior and you know. she is a warrior but she gets killed off screen which is which when it when it happened i thought oh, have i missed something did i fall asleep at some point because you would have thought that a major plot point like that which everyone's trying to avenge the rest of the film might have actually patterned on screen but but it just kind of passed by oh by the way she's dead and i thought is there some kind of also downloaded- killed off half the female characters yeah, and, and and the princess, as as uh, as Anna said, uh, is, is oh, actually I think it was Shelley in the in the in the, uh, in the actual meeting said she's just there to be protected. She just hangs around waiting to be protected. But she does just fine when the guy asks her to take the wheel yeah. and drive the car. She's just as capable of yeah. driving at high speeds out as anyone else. So yeah. Yeah. it was really silly that she kept needing these dudes to mm. and they really work dudes mm. uh, to help her mm. they the both of what the uh, female characters were male fantasy characters more than actual humans mm. but you could say that about every character character I use character in air quotes in that mm. movie I think I think you're setting the bar pretty low for a film when you say you walk in and you expect it to be an advert you don't expect characterization mm. you don't expect plot what are you expecting? I, uh, did it really succeed as an advert is my question. I mean, it's an okay film. I, I mean, so is it an advert or is it trying to just sell more things to Final Fantasy customers? That's, I think the critics and the Final Fantasy fraternity, and I, I would call it a fraternity rather than an everythingity, um, <laughs> seem, to be, seem to have accepted the fact that this is entirely designed to get people talking about Final Fantasy XV before the, the, the game is released. And look at us. Which we are doing... <laughs> But I think Andrew raises a very interesting point, which is that if you are a Final Fantasy fan, you're going to go and see this. And if you're not, maybe you won't. And if, if you, But if you're not and you go and see it, will you suddenly walk out with a desire to play Final Fantasy XV? As someone who doesn't play Final Fantasy games, generally speaking, no. no. Uh, but that's, yeah, like, that's what I was thinking as well. But there's an anime that also is out for Final Fantasy XV that 
is enough to make me want to play the games. So the fact that there are two different forms of media coming out at the same time, there's this uh, really gorgeous CG movie, and then there's this you know 15-minute episode, anim- like six-episode anime, mm-hmm. and one of them is like, oh, I'm really engaged with these characters, and one of them is like, well, I, I don't even <laughs> remember. November 7th, right? That's when the I, game comes out, yeah. I wonder I if there's a a double layer trick they're running here because they leave it very open-ended about what the characters in King's Clay barring obviously Lena Headey who is obviously in the, the actual game no mm. spoilers there particularly yep. she's been shown in all the footage for the game I wonder if this is a sneaky time because they're going to add DLC down the line featuring I my like, the, my immediate assumption when when the the girl whose name I've completely forgotten is killed off screen is there is downloadable content yeah. coming up which will be her trying to escape from I mean, something and you'll be you'll be playing her or possibly the people trying to kill her. I feel like it's probably going to be since she's a main character already. I suspect they're going to try and sell it as Aaron Paul and Co. Okay. Like, because I mean, like, if well, they, 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 they paid, an, paid an insane amount of money to, to make this film. So, I, I mean, I'd be very interested to see the numbers yeah. for this because they've obviously spent an incredible amount of money on this film. The, the, the graphics work for what it is is incredibly accomplished yeah. and very impressive. The, the investment of what well, conviction in the people involved in this is is quite winning for me. I mean, I'm not a Final Fantasy fan. Yeah. I hate the mixture of designs that get thrown yeah. into it, but. <laughs> the people who are making this film have invested it with real inertia and weight and you I find it to be a believable world within the context of the world that's been created yeah. I mean why people walk around dressed like Keith Richards unless they are Keith Richards I don't understand but nevertheless uh, it, it was as many people said uh, for me it was much less bad than I was expecting it to be. And if oh, yeah. it had been 30 minutes shorter, this is a Louis Savvy from yeah. Sci-Fi London has this idea and he said that all Japanese films can be improved by being 30 minutes shorter. Yeah. Uh, but if this were 30 minutes shorter, I think I would have enjoyed it substantially more because I did spend the last half an hour thinking, oh, God, just, okay, I get it. I'll, I'm not going to buy it. Just, just finish. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, yeah. It, it wasn't horrible. I mean, there's yeah, lots of... Yeah. There's, on the box! There's, there's, Eric Beckman, it wasn't horrible. <laughs> but, but there's lots of crap that fills movie theaters that's just, you know, empty entertainment yeah. that's got no real purpose in, for existing other than it's a commercial venture. And, mm-hmm. and for me, it wasn't any worse than half of the... You raised a very interesting Marvel point, though, films that about, I you, about. Uh, the Marvel point, the Marvel film point that you made was, was actually quite interesting one where you, you, you said uh, in the deliberations that... By having everything CG, there is no disruption between real things and... That was Miles. Oh, that Miles? Yeah, yeah, was yeah he's, oh, sorry. he was quoting me. I was quoting, oh, that's right. <laughs> well, that's unfair. How can I... <laughs> okay, so, so Miles, that was your book. Forget Eric. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's lost a point. <laughs> we were talking like in Jurassic World. Yeah. You know that there's like human characters and they're like in front of a green screen and there's like, uh, you know, CG... Uh, dinosaurs behind them and there's like the weird disconnect and you can't meld them together and you yeah. sit there seeing the uh, you know the actors in an empty room whereas in this although there's no real um, acting per se and there's no real characters and there's no real emotion and there's no all the things that you'd like in a in a character mm-hmm. at least they meld well with the monsters yeah but apart from that you know Mrs. Lincoln did you enjoy the play yes <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, I think both of us enjoyed the last half hour a bit more than you did, at least. Right. Yeah. 
I didn't. I didn't care about the time. Once I once I sort of surrendered myself that this is what I'm doing now in this chair, yeah. and then, yeah. then I was like, okay, okay. I, 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 I can't leave. Uh, <laughs> once you lay down and took it. <laughs> There's so much in life that's like that. I mean, sometimes, uh, to be honest, I have to do that with a lot of anime, where I have to yeah. say, okay, I'm watching an anime film, and I have to accept all the givens of the genre, and I have to just say, this is what I'm doing now. And if you don't accept it, it's, it's like going. I went to the National Gallery of Art, and I looked at Gothic and Renaissance art, and if I was there looking for cartoons, I would have been disappointed, but I was mm. there saying, look, and I found what I liked there. And so mm. I think everything you have to look at through the lens of what, what it is and what it's trying to be. Would I recommend this to anybody that I know or love? No. <laughs> would you recommend it to a Final Fantasy fan you know and love? Well, actually, you wouldn't need to because they already... So here's another thing that I want to throw in real quick is that people watch Twitch all day long. People watch other people playing video games. And I can't imagine ever wanting to spend time watching someone playing a video game when you could instead be watching this, which is like that experience elevated about 50%. I like so, uh, I mean, if you're going to watch, turn on Twitch, you might as well instead turn on King's Life because at least uh, Sean Bean dies in the end. Stuff spoilers. Oh no. no! Oh wait, hang on, it's Sean oh, Bean. Yeah, Come it's, on, it's, it's, everybody knows. It's, it's part of his contract. It's part of his contract. I don't, I don't think he signs up for things unless he knows he can be in the pub by closing time. I, 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 I don't think it's just the first Hobbit movie. You know, oh, well, that's <laughs> also a very <laughs> low bar. Watching the special features for that. I picked a fight. Probably as a last point on what does interest me about Kingsglaive really is the. The, oh, I don't know. Like, unless anyone else has anything on it, but Can't like get on with it. <laughs> the the expectations for it, like talking about selling it as yes. something to Final Fantasy fans, I'm not sure it even succeeds in that particular goal mm. because everything I've seen. I mean, in the UK, we are literally the only people screening it at right. present. I mean, it's sitting there ready for distribution. I had to go to Sony and go, mm. could we have it for the festival? Yeah. And they went, oh, we'll ask our distribute like our distribution mm. partner. Hold the like, phone away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, oh yes, we've got a screening very reasonable terms so it's not like it's a barrier to entry yeah. and I was talking to someone else in the entertainment industry recently about about this and they were saying the goals set for home video sales and the right. ST sales are so low right. that anime companies could do better you know like but, but someone's <laughs> going to be looking at this from a marketing budget point well, of I mean, view compared to Sony so if, if something is released as a film yeah. then certain cinema magazines are obliged to cover it because they cover yeah. all the films that are released so the, the, the fact of its filminess generates free publicity yeah. once, once you've made that film and once you've pushed that film somewhere then the fact that it's actually happening becomes, becomes something that saves you money as, as you know Andrew from, yeah. from pushing your name into the London Film Festival mm-hmm. Once it's in the London Film Festival, people are talking about this film. Yeah. Newspapers are covering it. People want to interview this. Guy, you know, the, the people who made it or whatever. And uh, we, we've been trying to work out, you know, what's cheaper: just paying for advert, advertorial and advertising content, or make a film, give it away, hope that someone talks about it, and uh, and, uh, and and you know, generate publicity in that way. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Kingsglaive was thrown out with no votes whatsoever. No one was going to vote for Kingsglaive. We were pretty sure about that from the beginning anyway. Yeah. You were more sure of it than anyone else. I was more sure of it than anybody else. And uh, I mean, this is an argument that we've had several years because we've been pitting computer-generated films yeah. versus more traditional animated films. And it's, it's often very difficult to establish the, um, you know, what the level playing field is and what you're, what you're rating a film for. Um, and uh, one of our jurors, Gary Marshall, I think it was last year or the year before, was, was talking about a film festival that he was at. It was a Scottish Baptist, yeah. I think, and they were voting on 
whether or not is it Dead Island? Yeah. The trailer for Dead Island, which is a fantastic piece of work. Yeah. Made um, in Scotland. Uh, made in Scotland could actually qualify it as animation because it was computer generated and therefore it wasn't worth talking about. And and he was arguing, you know, very passionately that you use any tool in your box to make the thing you want to make. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but it was he, he was the lone dissenter and it was just thrown out without consideration. It's too bad. It's yeah. disappointing. Uh, the next film up in competition uh, was Momotaro. Uh, Momotaro's Sacred Sailors, the 1945 uh, propaganda film directed by Mitsuo Yoseo, um, which actually managed to get one vote uh, in, the, um, in the deliberations, which I was very pleased with because I, I was not expecting it to get any either. And Anna, you voted for it. What was going on there? I did. Um, I wasn't sure what it was going to be like going in. Um, Obviously, sort of just read a little bit about it before we saw it. Um, And with older films, I think sometimes they're harder to connect with, obviously, with the different time in which they were made, especially with this one, as it was made to be a propaganda film, Mm. so it's targeted at Japanese children during World War II. Um, But I was really impressed with it as as a film and as a... I guess as a historical artefact as well now because it's so old. Um, I think obviously the message is that the filmmakers were trying to get across to the kids that, yep, go to war, join in the mm. fighting, it's amazing, look at these guys who mm. have come back and you know they're heroes, they're better because they've done that. I think it would have got across the kids in, in a very powerful way out there mm. when they saw it. So, you know, I think as a piece of film as well, it was... It was very well done. In terms of achieving its aims, which was in interesting children in fighting the Allies, it, it, it would have achieved them had any children actually seen it in April 1945 when it was released. After all, the cinemas in Tokyo had been destroyed and the children had been evacuated, so it was a disaster. <laughs> However, the, the prequel, which was made in 1943, Momotaro's Sea Eagles, uh, was an incredibly successful recruitment venture, mm. and the uh, Tadahito Mochinaga, who was the cinematographer on it, actually felt very guilty after uh, during the war, in fact, because he said he would hear children reenacting scenes from Momotaro's Sea Eagles, and he realised, you know, that he was he was actually exerting a kind of power over them, uh, and he wasn't happy about the message he was passing on. The power of anime. The power of anime. Imagine that. Tom had a, a festival. Minion Tom had the same thing when he was coming out. He said, like, it was an interesting film. He'd never considered joining the Japanese Navy before, but, <laughs> you know, afterwards, afterwards he was like, maybe you can see the, like, the sales points at least on it. Yes. A, a lot of shouting, apparently, and running, like he was saying. What did you make? Oh, sorry. You, you... Oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say, I think um, one of the other judges raised at dinner last night that the plot line in there is very difficult to follow and it's quite abstract in a way there's sort of five different segments to the film rather mm. than a continuous story yeah. um, which I, I do agree with but I think when children watch a film they don't necessarily always care about things like that I think they're quite happy so to jump around the, the juror in question was Shelley from DreamWorks yeah. who said that she accepted that it was an important historical artefact and a very interesting film to watch mm. but subjecting it to the DreamWorks story lab it would have been thrown out because you know it's too bitty. There is no narrative throughput. There, there is quite an important story arc, which is that one of the characters gets killed. But as as I mentioned in my introduction, that particular scene was cut by the Japanese Navy because they because his funeral was cut by the Japanese Navy because they didn't want to um, to, to make it look too mar- to make make it look like war was dangerous. Well, take a quick moment of silence for that bear that did not get appreciated. The bear, the bear did not make it back. Oh, Sorry. It's uh, a weird bit earlier on in the film, quite when the sailors first come back as well, where he's uh, watching the like dandelion blossoms or something mm. fall. 
And it, for a moment, it looked like there was a, like, a bout of post-traumatic stress disorder. Was about Absolutely, yes. Because suddenly you hear the sound effects of the parachute drop. Mm. Like, oh, this has taken on an unexpected turn, but then yeah. it just suddenly stops. <laughs> yes. And they the, go the, to the river. The, the, the Navy did... Uh, it was finished in December 1944, but it took four months to actually make it out because the Navy did introduce... Um, a number of cuts. They were very annoyed that the film uh, gave away the number of fighters that escort a bomber group and they made him take that out. They were annoyed at the funeral scene. Um, they called um, Mitsuyo Seo into the office and they just shouted at him and Motoko, our translator on the, on the book, has, has, has translated the Navy's words as what the hell do you think you're doing? But it's not actually hell. It's kind of drifting into much more nasty territory. Um, because the Navy said, we wanted more war. Where's all the war? And Mitsuyo Seo said, uh, children do not want to watch nothing but fighting. He'd never seen Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. Children do not want to watch nothing but fighting. We, we've got to, you know, stretch things out. We've got to, uh, you know, explain things in context and, uh, and also teach them the Japanese alphabet, which is a great song, which I assume you've all memorized now. Yes, I when asked to immigration in Japan, they're wine I'm just going to recite it and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe they'll join in. With you. Maybe they will. Maybe it'll be like some kind of secret entry to, to Japan protocol thing. Just proceed in, my friend. Do not, do not open your bags for us. It's not required. What did you make of it, Eric? Oh, sorry, Mars. You, you, you're just about to leap in. He's going to. He's going to tell me what you Mars, said. I'll anyway. set you up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Miles, we were talking. You, you. I think we both appreciated the actual animation. I mean, it's so lovely to see pre-computer animation drawing on paper, and yeah. it reminded me a lot of the old Max Fleischer like cartoons. A lot of which also yeah. were propagandistic. Mm-hmm. The Superman with sabotage, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah. the Japanese war boats the, uh, and stuff uh, like uh, that. Japateurs. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, um, um, <laughs> or the. Dr. Seuss had a couple yeah. uh, propaganda films, and so I thought historically it was super, 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 super interesting, and it's just lovely to see that super fluid um, hand-drawn animation where you can just almost imagine the paper, and um, I love that, but um, it was an odd choice, quite honestly, to be in competition against new movies, and I just don't know, you know, what do you like better, pizza or ice cream? I just can't. How can you make that decision? I know it just feels like. I, I don't. I don't think we were expecting it to stand. As I <laughs> said, really. in, in my introduction, yeah. I said this film does not stand a chance. But yeah. through the rules of the festival, the yeah. fact that it's a UK premiere, yeah. even though it's yeah. seventy-one years old and it's yeah. called for the downfall of America. Um, it's still and Britain and Britain. And Britain. Well, Britain's Britain. already gone. Britain's you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> kind of the stinger at the end is guess where we're going next, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and so, sorry, just put a spoiler. That was a good uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, the the fact of its competition is is enough for us. I think that yeah. we no one's expecting it to win, but I, I, it's great to to inspire that kind of debate well, and that kind of discussion. How many people showed up in the cinema? who were swayed because well this one's in competition so we better yeah. see this one as well is also a factor that we would consider yeah. you never know as well with stuff so <clears> the, the criteria for us are pretty straightforward actually it's relevant for people like mm. listening as well is basically the first priority is always two films released in the same year which is either a UK or European premiere which in- introduces you uh, a silent voice for starters um, then next oh, and, and Kingsglade. Well, Kingsglade, they had a special screening in London, so technically it falls into the next category, which is, is it significant, like, original and a 
like a Scottish Premier at least, mm. which like because you don't otherwise you're really we we did this in previous years and we realised we're cutting our noses off despite our faces because we excluded Wolf Children. Wolf Children without competition because London Film Festival London yeah, had, yeah, had it as well, and that was like cutting our noses off despite our faces. I don't know. Those. It was I, th- I thought it created a, a good little loophole for another film to get recognised. It, it did, I, I didn't but at me. the same time, like. But we all knew Wolf Children yeah, would have won if it had been in competition. And that's that's kind of the core thing, and that mm. was the year we decided to to revise the rules to be yeah. like. More than I mean, originally, Andrew, your intention was, and I think we we already admitted this in previous yeah. podcasts, was that if we make a stipulation, it has to be a premiere. Yeah. Then we can steal films from London. We can steal yeah. films from other other festivals because the Japanese will say, "Well, it would be quite nice to have an award, and it, you know, we want to be in competition. Let's go." Yeah. That doesn't work at all. No, so. no it doesn't. But <laughs> so, I mean, so. after our brave attempt to to to, to tough it out with London Film yeah. Festival, they steal Makoto Shinkai. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah, You're still picturing Andrew without a nose. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's ninety percent of my face actually. So um, it's actually without that, it's pretty bleak. I have to say. Yeah. Um, you've seen uh, Voldemort, right? I mean, yeah. just saying. Anyway, oh, I've got the image now. <laughs> <laughs> saying, give us a kiss, Jonathan. <laughs> Not again, anyway. Andrew. <laughs> anyway, yeah, like it's yeah. So I walked into the taxi, uh, ready to split my vote between this and one of the films we'll talk about later. I convinced myself otherwise as I was describing that other film, which we'll get to shortly, but uh, I really enjoyed Momotaro, not as a feature film necessarily, not as a movie, and this is uh, where Shelley and I were having a really interesting conversation last night, uh, but I enjoyed it as a work of animation in the same way that Eric did, um, which is that... Uh, you know, even forgetting the historical context, seeing all the fluid motion on the screen and having like 20 or 30 different motions happening at the same time mm-hmm. and in such a disjointed and random factor, watching all these different elements move on the screen at once. Yes. Uh, and there were very few lo- animation loops, actually. Yeah. Uh, I was keeping there were a couple, like, but they're not, not, not many, yeah. I was expecting a lot more reused animation than we ended up getting, and some of it was just spectacular. The planes mm. taking off, even though we watched that, I think, three times, that same, the bomber yeah. taking off. Every one of them was just uh, something to mm. behold. Mm. And I really liked the mechanical mm. animation. So they would go through these processes, uh, like folding the parachutes, mm. and there was all this... Uh, I, the mechanical element of it was just such a dream to watch as not just a prop- propaganda film but as uh, a study into what it's like to be a soldier and uh, kind of a portrait of a Japanese soldier where their existence is based off of this the process after process after process that are silently or in this case singingly uh, accomplished <laughs> yeah. without communication because everyone just knows there are role. there are a lot of war films where people fight each other there aren't a lot of war films that concentrate on how you pack a parachute how you build an airbase how you do an outreach program to the local natives you know, all of which is covered in, in Momotaro which I thought was very interesting and it was I, again it I feel like it stood up even in 2016 and even removing the context of, oh, this is a really neat uh, novelty, just watching it as a work of animation was mm. really valuable. That's a piece of history and that's why we, we went back to it's Anime Limited as well, actually. It, mm. wasn't, it wasn't because I saw a bathtub full of money on it like that. On it. <laughs> in, like, in fact, I broke down the numbers for Shochiku very precisely for it, mm. for the numbers and told them this is why it's the highest number you're going to get from me on it, because mm. this is the maximum I can make yeah. from it safely, because there's going to be no real 
streaming platform who wants to touch it. No. You'll get some on, uh, on like things like iTunes, etc., but it's not going to be much. Mm-hmm. It's a historical artifact, so it's for film studies, it's for history yeah. students, it's for animation students, so yeah. people making these, like, doing their, their written part of their, their practice. Like, their practical courses for the history of Japanese animation. Yeah. It is a important, it's, it's a core work, and um, I mean, if you want to tell the story of Japanese animation, you can begin in 1917, or you can begin in 1958, or you can begin in 1945. Or with uh, your book, yeah. or with, or well, with, yeah. with anything <laughs> I've written. The logic on it is as well is that this <clears throat> product is going to more sit on a university library shelf yeah. than it is going to sit in, or like a university bookshop, than it is going to sit on HMV shelf. Yeah. Like, and we know that, but that means there's a constant refresh rate every year, maybe 50 copies to a bookshop or 20 mm-hmm. or 10, where there'll be a new course and there'll be X number of people a year. It's not going to be huge numbers, but I sell 100 copies mm. in a year after the first, the first wave, mm. I'll be impressed, but there'll be a constant refresh from universe, some university bookshops. Not just in the, it depends if, if Funimation USA released the same book as us, they might well pay to access that book, um, then like... It's been interesting in Germany as well, hasn't it? There's been interest yeah. in Germany as well. So I mean, like, there the might be a, like, a refresh from beyond our, our own shores due to the nature of, of academia and such there. We'll see. I mean, that kind of case, it might actually be beneficial. Sometimes we share our discs with companies like Funimation and the discs are open to both territories. Mm-hmm. That'd be one of the times that'd be quite useful actually for an academic mm-hmm. point of view. Because mm-hmm. you'd be able to buy an edition that actually integrates well into universities. It seems like there should be some thoughtful art house theatrical audiences also. Mm. You know. I think it fits the the goal of, of things like people like Criterion do and such sure. pretty well actually. So it fits like we've always tried or aspired to reach that kind of mm-hmm. audience. We never really succeed being an anime company as we are at times. But this kind of one, like Belladonna of Sadness, fits sure. into that. Well, this is exciting. I can't wait to put it right next to Bubblegum Crisis on my bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, which brings us on to Silent Voice, which was the real bone of contention for the jury, uh, mainly because of Miles, uh, because <laughs> you felt very passionately about this film. Uh, and uh, I mean, talk us through what is what is what is going on with Silent Voice. Uh, so I, I'm I, I do cry at movies um, on occasion. Uh, I cried all the way through Kingsglaive. <laughs> you cried out. No, you cried out. Stop. Turn it off. I want out. That's different to what. Uh, sorry, it's different. Right. Right. Uh, I I have very rarely walked out of any media experience as overwhelmed as I was with. A silent voice, um, and that is a testament to a lot of things. It's very challenging territory. It deals with uh, topics like suicide, uh, which are very uncomfortable. Um, I, I've tried to read the manga prior, and I got through maybe one volume before I just felt too uncomfortable. It's not the kind of media that I will like enjoy consuming, right? Because it's just a, a unpleasant topics and uh, reminds. Uh, anyone who has, deals with any issues in their youth, uh, whether it's bullying or anxiety or uh, thoughts of suicide, th- these aren't topics that you want to just like jump into and experience on uh, after a hard day at work. Uh, but what a silent voice does is it captures all of those things in one of the most uh, understated and sometimes a little overstated, but I... I I feel it works in the, the form it is in animation, but just one of the most meaningful, well-told 
uh, particularly well-told stories I've seen in a long time. And I think a lot of that comes from uh, the director, Yamada. Uh, the, every decision is so impactful and meaningful. Uh, and I was comparing it to uh, Your Name, which had these gorgeous sunsets and gorgeous uh, backgrounds that were simply gorgeous. Uh, very rarely were they uh, related to what was happening in the story. Whereas in A Silent Voice, there was not a color that was not contributing to, uh, on the entire screen, that was not contributing to what was happening in the characters' minds. And just using animation in such an impactful way to develop this broadcast of like eight main characters and they didn't have enough time to all get flushed out throughout the story, throughout their dialogue, but they had enough time to let the animation flourish exactly where they were uh, as a person uh, at every point in the movie. And they were all huge shitbags, which was really enjoyable, and they never <laughs> redeemed themselves. So and another one for the box. They're all huge shitbags. They're all huge shitbags, <laughs> and they never got redeemed. So it was all these like unpleasant characters that made bad decisions and did stupid things, but it was so believable to me. Right. And uh, the fact that the it wasn't some like feel good redemption story. It was just like the the moral of life is. You just have to kind of go on with it or just accept things for how they are, um, but just to be a, be stronger yeah, for the, it. The, the term you used last night was you, you, you said that uh, the nothing is wasted. No no image or color or character is wasted in, in a silent voice. And you criticize your name for, for calculated emotions, that you yes. felt you were being handled, whereas uh, in... Uh, there's no easy answer in a silent voice. And so it's much more thoughtful and mature for that reason. I thought what it did well was, um, even though some of the characters have actions that are reprehensible, um, I thought they were all actually quite sympathetic. Like you understood that the bully himself was insecure, um, himself um, liked the uh, deaf girl in a way that he was having himself a hard time expressing, just like she had a hard time expressing. And it came out in this way, or Ueno, who's the... Um, Turbo cow, we would say. Yeah. <laughs> Cute chick, or whatever, <laughs> who, who, who's also quite mean in it. You, all, you, you sort of sense their insecurities, or even the sympathetic characters that, that seem like they're, like the, the, the deaf girl herself has, um, and I'm sorry, I don't remember any of the names, <laughs> um, um, who in a sort of a simpler film might be set up as just the good character herself mm -hmm. has some uh, issues. And it's, I thought it dealt. Um, really well in showing an, an actual, um, you know, social interactions where where all the characters are flawed and weak in their own ways and have strength in their own ways and interact and um, you know I thought it was um, I thought it was quite an interesting uh, movie. Um, I felt myself identifying with the main character and he has sort of I guess you would call social anxiety um, or something along that lines where he's a hard hard time. Um, really relating to other people around him to the point where he sort of blanks them out. And yes, it's over obvious they put little X's over the faces, but but in some ways the, the film wasn't trying to be over subtle. It was trying to spell out um, you know, what life feels like for I, I would have I would have liked more of that. I thought if they were gonna go with that kind of X's on the face symbolism, mm -hmm. this kind of almost like human migraine thing that he's got right. going on. I would have liked to have seen more symbolism. I would have liked to have seen it taken away from reality and, and more in, in, in into that kind of realm. But but also 
I haven't read the manga. There are a lot of people in the audience who had read the manga and who were there as manga fans. I have met the director. I have met Naoko Yamada, yeah. and, and we, we know her at Scotland Lives Anime through, through K-On, which she came to promote a couple of years ago. I saw so much of her yeah. coming across in the screen because so, she's such a nice person and such a considered person and she has a very positive attitude towards everything. In the, and, I, and I saw all of that being put on screen. I, I, saw, I very much saw it... I don't want to say we're looking at another auteur on the way, but oh, I, I, am. I, I, I know Miles. You said uh, you, you said last night yeah. I have not seen anyone shine a director shine so much since Mamoru Oshii, and that's animation or otherwise. Yeah, just I yeah. this puts her up with the greats for me. And I had already been in love with her work before, even if I like Kaon is uh, not like the kind of media I normally enjoy, but it was just so well direct, like. The, something that where the direction elevates it that much is because of the talent that you see in this movie and this is a great source material and yeah I called all the characters shitbags but they are relatable like yeah. you were talking about relatable shitbags they're relatable shitbags and also you can feel Yamada's sympathy towards all of them which made me feel sympathetic towards every single one of them and, and, and I was just also it's not really a film about suicide or about social no. anxiety it's really a, you know a school kid yeah. um um, relationship film more yeah. than anything else, and then so these issues are sort of layered on on top in a in a pretty heavy-handed way. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you could see it being used, you know, um, you know, in counseling classes and stuff like that potentially. Yeah. And, and and if I were distributing it, I wouldn't go that angle. I would just try and yeah. sell it as a film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, didn't, I mean, I didn't love it uh, like Miles loved it. And I think you know, it, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't break out beyond this is an anime film for me. It doesn't yeah. say this is yeah. going to be a general release film that art house audiences or sophisticated mm-hmm. film going <clears throat> audiences are going to want to see. You have to forgive it up front for its anime conventions and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I, th- I felt, you know, for me in particular, it's emotionally manipulative to have a boy and a girl like each other and you know as an audience that they like each other and you put them in close proximity to each other for two hours without ever 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 declaring that they like each other and it just yeah. you get this achy feeling <laughs> and I can only assume that that's what it must be like to live in Japan so. <laughs> 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 from what I can tell but you know so I, I just you know but I, I enjoyed it and I, I will say that the whole line of whatever there were 28 year old boys in front of us who like came out of that thing like with their eyes bright red from crying so much <laughs> and it was really you know I they think feel guilty about the deaf people they played any from. film any film that uh, has that emotion reaction I think is uh, you know is worth the, the Twitter feed of people coming out of it was, yeah. was quite yeah. was monstrously I, positive it was very impressive I yeah. do have one I'd like if to you, read out you, you go and find out I'm going to ask Anna what she thought because Anna hasn't said go anything about this one she yeah <laughs> no, I, I definitely didn't hate it. I think Anna is a bully, thinking, and she's very unhappy. Yeah, I was about a bully, that. so anywhere where they portray badly, it's not good. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was a really interesting film. I think, like in hindsight now, if I understood Japanese culture possibly more than I do, if I'd been there and sort of interacted with people, I think you'd understand the film on another level because you know, coming from England, you try and apply your you know life and your experiences at school and and apply it to that and it's so different because of the Japanese culture and and how they interact and you know touching on the fact that you know this boy and the girl have got sort of a love interest going on and it's difficult 
to emphasize with it because they don't touch for two hours as you know as Eric said and you know and you are kind of sort of rooting for that but it's never going to be expressed in the way that you'd be used to so it's it's a very interesting way it's a different sort of perspective you get on that we were also talking about the um you know the social stigma of uh, disability and things like that which are quite different um in the in the u.s and in uh the uk i'm assuming um and i but i think you know that that his liking her but he's unable to have a socially acceptable way to explain that he likes this deaf girl Mm. you know and and i don't know i thought that was Really sensitive. Yeah. Oh, so aside from that, the, the tweet I was going to say, which impressed me the most, was someone who tweeted last. I was just searching for Koino Katachi, which is the Japanese name. Mm-hmm. Someone, someone has obviously decided like that feeling when Koino Katachi was aired today, but it's still not on Kiss Anime. And I'm like, that's because it's a film, my friends. And unlike certain companies who will remain nameless, but begins with other letters, four letters, four letter words. <laughs> Like, you don't end up with a what film the on the internet. No one knows what no he's talking about. And Andrew was halfway through that sentence before Sorry. he realised he was just yeah. about to incriminate a bunch well, yeah, of yeah. people. <laughs> the, the point was... Is that it's a lovely thing to watch. The point is, ultimately, like, unless screeners are going out to places and there's a risk of them being uploaded, yes. there is none. So, so these people are, are going, I really want to see Simon Boyce. And it's not on a piracy why site. Why not watch Curses. A Maybe you should try a cinema at some yes. point. Yes, try so, a like, cinema. That is just what, like, give it a whirl. Like... If you like, so like, it, it's exactly the feelings I had, and it's even more complicated by the fact we actually uh, Anime Limited have the rights to the film as well. Um, and this is actually why Andrew was not permitted to attend the yeah. jury meeting last night because he would have just gone on and on about it, and we wouldn't have been yeah. able to you know, get anything done. But, so I'm the unusual case in the room, I guess. I had to because we were subtitling so quickly. There was no one I could get to check the subtitles, barring myself. So well, to, the subtitles were fantastic. So I had to go uh, through the, the manga. Like, basically, I read the entire manga, and mm-hmm. I made sure the both... We had two studios fighting it out. That's another story for another day, though. Mm-hmm. But both studios had the original material as well. Mm-hmm. Like, we made sure they had access to it. For those that, that haven't worked out yet, because it's a film about deaf people, there, there is a sign language component as well. And sometimes the subtitles uh, will subtitle what, what someone is signing. And sometimes it is part of the narrative that you wouldn't necessarily understand what they're saying. So we have to leave the subtitles off. So there has to be a, a judgment call on every time somebody signs to work out whether or not you should do it. And I really, enjoy, as a linguist, I really enjoyed the joy of discovery of once I'd learned something in Japanese sign language, when it turned up again and it was unsubtitled, and I knew before the character said it, and I was very excited about that. And so you were kind of, and, and you were learning along with them about what certain phrases mean and trying to guess what other ones mean. So, yeah, that's exactly one of the points behind it. Um, I'm being told off at the moment for an yeah. item machine which won't stop. Yes, because when you open the door, it starts beeping. So we should just add some context. You would have yeah. already heard this at the start of the podcast when I right. mentioned there will be random noises in the background like, throughout. Yeah. But I mean, basically, the fridge won't shut up. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's <laughs> a common... Because I turned off the power. 
Well done, Keith. <laughs> 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 the trouble is, uh, speaking of someone, I mean, I've, I've been out filming in China for a month, and we're in a city, and there's always motorbikes going by, and water trucks playing jingle bells on a on a you know four track recorder, and people stopping their mopeds to see what's going on. And the director said, "I can't wait to get out into the countryside. There'll be no disturbance at all." And we're out in the countryside. Birds, cows, shepherds, <laughs> bells. And everywhere you go, there's noise. And it is very, very difficult to find a quiet space to just record something, as, as we are just demonstrating in Andrew's ridiculously opulent Edinburgh flat for this festival. We still can't just shut it off until Keith breaks the fridge. So that's been done now. That's been done. I actually wrote my MSC thesis on that. On breaking fridges? Collecting data, like, outside. Oh, okay. So problems with collecting in noisy places for net, very experimental. Anyway, so anyway, the subtitles. So anyway, basically, the subtitles needed reworks. So I had to read the original source material, which is where my criticisms begin to creep in for the film. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, because the material is incredibly better fleshed out in the original source material. That's true of any film. The director did an excellent job of compressing the entire thing down and cutting plot threads out, you know. Yeah chopping and changing stuff as required to make it work, but all the characters that you see which are now flattened down outside of the two main characters, Ambi, the little sister to an extent, mm. are really much more fleshed out. I mean, and some characters that doesn't matter, like the, the redhead guy doesn't matter. You can take him or leave him. Well, He's think... basically the same in the, the manga to an extent. He's a foil for the the other like the other girl. I, I but, was I was very uh, surprised with the character of the little sister, the yeah. uh, with with brown skin. Yeah. It's a very odd kind of point oh, that yeah. was being made there. Um, right the way through, and uh, I, th- I felt I was being manipulated there. Like, what yeah. am I supposed to assume about the fact that you know her yeah. sister is a different color to her, or uh, no, her? It's not. It's her niece. Yeah. Her niece. Yeah. Um, and in fact. Um, I've just realised I can't really tell you anything more about that without giving away a spoiler. But yeah. the uh, on the basis of the closing credits, um, I now realise that the um, the the father of the of the of the niece is Brazilian. I mean, that's the the point they're trying to make yeah. is that he's Brazilian. Uh, it, it wasn't very clear. Um, so that that was a very odd. Um, but that's odd in the, the manga as well, to be quite honest. Okay, and it's but also it's very odd in the manga that you never see the... You never see the sister. You never see the sister. And I, so it's a bit like Maris in Frasier or, yeah, or Norm's wife in Cheers. You never see the sister. Yeah. And I thought, well, is this some kind of non-self-insertion by the manga character, by the manga author? Is the manga author telling you a story about her life and no. she's, you know... But no, no, it's not, it's it's not that at all. It's definitely. very odd that the sister's never seen. What point that is trying to make, I don't know. But it's, it's odd as well. But the, the interesting thing is, like, the, the whole... The source material itself was a brave thing to adapt into a film because in Japan it's not. There's, there's the kind of stuff they're talking about is seldom. I, I, I disagree. Oh. There is an entire subgenre okay. uh, in which in, in Japanese is called pure, named after a TV yeah. show called pure. There's an entire subgenre of disability dramas. Um, but that's the like like exactly as Miles just said. The, 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 the difference is is that the disability is some kind of quirk to be overcome or 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 ignored, and it, it's it's like it, you could make something about saying, "Well, my girlfriend has red hair." That's kind of like a disability, and then that's the level of. Cheers, I only gave that example because of an argument I had with an anime company once who said that the fact that a character in Bleach had red hair was proof they were psychotic. Um, 
Well, that much I can't disagree with you. But what I mean is, is that disability in most pure dramas, they, they pay lip service to the idea of taking it seriously, but actually it's just some kind of quirk. It might as well be hair colour yeah. for the difference it often yeah. makes. But I wasn't getting at the disability part. I was getting the part about the bullying, the suicide... The, the other stuff, basically, you could have removed the disability element for that, made it about bullying a girl. Yes. And it's about the impact of passive bullying as yes. well on Sarge. It's, like, it's, handled, it's not handled in a particularly subtle or sensitive way. And I, again, I wouldn't use it for counselling. I'd go for it as a, a film. And we will be going for it as a film, as right. opposed to anything else. But it's the stuff which isn't the disability stuff, but it was the brave stuff to, to adapt. Okay. Because it's not easy. Like, it definitely is a difficult marketing point. Um, Shelley's point about, like, made, Shelley made a point about, I, I gather at least, about not being sure who the audience is. Mm. And that was a problem we had as well with it. Mm. Was, like, was the, um, like, the question we had initially, I was talking to Anna about it as well, is, like, we, we, we narrowed down the audience to basically it is an anime-specific film to an extent, which is fine. You must be this anime to enter, yeah, for sure. Basically. If you don't have a baseline understanding of That's Japanese culture, you must be this, this anime, anime to, to enter. enter. Yeah. Thank true. you for that. I, I mean, this is the discussion we had among the judges, because uh, I am obviously overly indoctrinated in uh, Japanese culture, and that's not necessarily the case with every judge. And so uh, I, I couldn't show this to my parents and without context. Yeah. I couldn't just throw this on, or even to most of my friends. It's not a gateway anime. No. no and I don't well, want it to be a gateway. I don't want it to be an anime. I just want to look at it as uh, a movie. Hmm. I want to just look at it as a movie because it works so well. But I have all this context that I can put it in that justifies uh, my belief that the characters are this and that, that they're well-developed, that they uh, are real, uh, whereas there's going to be a, a dissonance with the average Western viewer who may not be as familiar with Japanese culture who's going to be like, well, why are they doing this? Why are they doing... And this yeah. is the conversation we had in the taxi at the restaurant, like, well, what's the mo character's motivation here? Uh, and, like, the fact that... Uh, I mean, you were able to tell within the first three minutes that he had a crush on her. Yeah, so, so I, don't, I don't think you need to understand anime to enjoy the film. I think that as an adult really who's got uh, maybe negative connotations for anime, that that can turn you off to the film. And I think sure. a lot of people have negative knee-jerk re uh, reactions to anime and just don't yeah. understand why all the characters look exactly the same and all that kind of crap. But, you know, um, I'm... You know, going to recommend to the you know to New York International Children's Film Festival to the current programmers that they screen it, and I would be very excited to show it to, at the festival where I know I'm going to have a packed audience, and I would recommend it for ages like ten or eleven, maybe eleven up, mm. and I think that those kids who maybe have seen some anime, maybe uh, haven't. Um, but don't have the negative connotations uh, that maybe is firmly synced in about anime are, are going to like totally relate to the characters and totally relate to their own social interactions the way I you know even though I'm 54 could relate to what it was like to be mm. you know in those social situations and mm. it's, it's so I think and you also said you were related to it as a parent as well yeah, as, yeah totally yeah but yeah. but more no I mean more I you know identify less with the parents in the film and definitely more with the kids in the film. I have a question for you, Andrew, yeah, right. uh, which, yeah. you, which you may be unable to answer. I don't know. Uh, Naoko Yamada, as we know, is a colossal mod, um, and the film begins with a ve with a great opening sequence set to uh, the Who, set to talking about yeah. my generation. Um, what is the right situation on that? 
Are you going to have to <laughs> drop there's that? No way, right? we, there's no way. I mean, we're, 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 we're in discussion just now because we were asked because it's very important to her to have it. Yeah. So I allowed it to stay for, for a short period just now. But okay. I've said, now that I've seen where it's placed and such, it's only placed at one point. Yeah. It's going to be totally possible to switch it. And, uh, like it's, it's, they're not going to be happy about it, but there's yeah. no way it's going to clear. Yeah. So, like, outside of a festival purpose. Yeah, which that's, that's a shame usage. because it, it's... Of, I, I was sitting down in the cinema and I thought, oh, this is probably going to be absolutely miserable. And the first thing I get is the who blaring out at me while all these Japanese kids are doing... It, 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 was, it was a very Naoko Yamada yeah. moment and you can see why she's done it there. But, the, but you know, the, the, the second thing that sprung to mind is no one's going to afford the mechanical Well, I'd like to, to disclaim at this point that we are going to try. Okay, Because like, it's the UK. But, 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 it was also well. jarring. I mean, to, to, you know, to come, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this film, and, the, and then I spent the next three minutes going, how the hell do they get my generation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I stopped paying any attention well, to what's going I, on in the film. And there, just there are, an, I think there are a number of Japanese films that have been ruined internationally by their choice of music. Yeah. The, the most obvious example for me being Space Travelers, which is uh, mm. the, um, it's not Katsuki Toishi, it's uh, the... Uh that guy who did that thing but it, be- that thing it, it, it begins thing. with uh, with Queen it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the opening shot of their car driving along before they rob a bank he's Queen I'm thinking no one is ever going to pay the rights on that like Eden of the East um, Eden of the East with, like Paradise Kiss etc they yeah. Franz Ferdinand at the end and Oasis it's like the, yeah. Oasis like to be fair Oasis allowed the first episode to have the music on it yeah like still which okay. was more than anyone expected at the end of the day I think Japan but, agreed conciliatory to well we, Miles said in his in his piece I think it was Miles uh, at the education day that if we got 32% of, of the business yeah. for anime is abroad someone who makes a decision on a song that will be too expensive to include in a foreign release is creating trouble for yeah. themselves well, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is one of the most fun yes. things to uh, yeah. release around the world because every uh, other character is named after a band or yeah. a song, yeah. and we have to change those to the, oh, really? the licensor's request yeah. because everyone is a potential lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that happens a lot more in Japan than people would think as well. There are tons of Cowboy yeah. Bebop packages yeah. and designs we can't use because, because they of the use of lyrics. Infringe in yeah. I'm very surprised that Manga got away with the J.D. Salinger quote that runs throughout a standalone complex yeah. written on the, um, the puppet, the, not the puppet, the laughing, the, the laughing man's face. There's 40 words from a J.D. Salinger short story, which, are sti- which is still in copyright, yeah. which, I'm, which I don't think, well, who knows? I'm sure, they, cl- I'm sure they cleared it. Sorry, Jerome. I'm <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no problem there with so that. Yeah, the, for my generation stuff to answer the question, officially, as far as I know, it needs cleared per territory. Mm. And the request is to clear it for territory. Mm. Um, that's a shame. But that's something I will like. It, it's not going to take me long to go and yes or no. That's possible. I've, I had I had this argument with someone who was interviewing me for his uh, for his dissertation, yeah. and he asked me, "Wouldn't it just be easier if?" When the Japanese made something, they cleared all rights internationally before they started. Oh. And I said, well, firstly, no. No, it wouldn't be easier. And secondly, what you're actually asking them to do is to compromise the, the, the art they're producing. Because if you're going to make a silent voice and you're going to put the who in the opening credits yeah. and then before you finish making the film in Japan Andrew says we probably can't afford that in some territories yeah. and you have to take it out again you are compromising what the Japanese yeah. do 
Uh, so it's a very odd situation where you know if you consider the foreign audience too much, you will you will yeah. lose some interesting uh, artistic yeah. decisions. I made the the common sense suggestion, which unfortunately they didn't listen to, and they because they warned me in advance. I was like, look, you're going to have to consider the option that not everyone can use that. Mm. So I would advise right now you consider a contingency because mm. they weren't very specific. They suggested it might be used throughout the film. Now I'm actually quite relieved to see it in one segment yeah. because that is replaceable. Whereas if it was interspersed throughout it's, it's one sharpened. segment with, with no other audio yeah. as well, so you can just drop in yeah. a different song if you have uh, you to. You would be absolutely shafted if it Radwimps be. appear to be available for everything. Music by Radwimps? <laughs> you, did you mention music by Radwimps? Uh, music I, by Radwimps. I, I want to make sure, Rad I, sure I understand it, but there's music by Radwimps. Apparently Radwimps are really, really big, and people are being told about how great Radwimps are. I did hear about Radwimps being pretty good. Um, what, what, what have they done recently that I might have heard of? What, what Radwimps? Music by Radwimps, you mean? Mm. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I've not seen anything advertised Radwimps. Okay. Um, so, yes. pausing only for me to say that some of my best friends are ginger, I'd like to move on. Uh, <laughs> oh, because... I thought you had no friends. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got any now. Um, but uh, So, Silent Voice got three votes uh, of the eight available, um, which meant that the winning film in the uh, in the jury's um, debate was Your Name by Makoto Shinkai. It's that, a surprise. That didn't surprise anyone. <laughs> Sorry. I, am, I am very pleased to say that it won with only 50% of the vote. I'm very pleased that a jury will not immediately go we must vote for your name because that is what is expected of us even though that was what was expected of you um, <laughs> so uh, I'm very glad that it, it only got 50% of the vote um, uh, and yet still won I think, it, I think it deserved to win uh, but uh, you're trying to be nuanced you're trying to be nuanced about it so what did everybody make of your name so I really like your name so I think the first thing that struck me about it is visually it's absolutely stunning I should say you're, you're speaking as someone who's never seen a Makoto Shinkai film before I certainly haven't no this would be my first Shinkai experience um, and I had heard that his animation was quite beautiful I think the term anime porn visual porn anime porn what do you call it scenery porn scenery porn scenery porn Maybe we should yeah, Google anime porn to yeah, figure this out. Yeah. Uh, uh, research <laughs> Shinkai anime porn. Let's see what Google gives us. Uh, I know what Google will give you. Well, it's just browsing history. We were also talking about tentacles. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you about Shinkai anime porn in a moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, uh, oh, slightly, yeah. slightly wrong use of that term there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Actually, we all have probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, absolutely fantastic film. Um, you know, went in with a very open mind, didn't know what I was expecting, and the story's very gripping, um, the characters are interesting, music from Wa- Rad Wimps? I, I believe Rad, I believe Rad, Rad Wimps were involved. Did you mention Rad Wimps? Rad Wimps? I love music by Rad Wimps. Yeah, they tried to get my generation, but apparently they were <laughs> Rad Wimps, however, we're happy to comply with international clearance. Thank you, Rad Thank Wimps. you, Rad Wimps. I, I actually want to download a few of their songs from it. So. Well, it's funny you should mention yeah. that, because I can reliably tell you we've actually just confirmed that the collector's edition will have the soundtrack by oh, Rad Wimps. Oh, yes. I, I would like to add it this point that I was unimpressed by the music by Rad Wimps yeah. and I speak as someone who I, I, I was genuinely moved at the end of five centimeters per second by the song they chose to use uh, Makoto Shinkai when left to his own devices seems to choose some great songs some very evocative yeah. songs from the last 20 years however in the case of your name it's just a bunch of stuff by Rad Wimps oh, I did not actually remember the music no it's an unmemorable unmemorable filler sorry I want, I, want to, I want to hear Anna's description of the film sorry yes. <laughs> carry on Rad Wimps and Rad Wimps 
but yeah so as I think as a whole picture it's it's really a, a great experience um and you know it's, I think it's one of those songs that's very rewatchable once you've seen it the first time I think when you watch it again you you will be able to look for things you might have missed the first time that you can see in hindsight um really enjoyable just just loved it great film very good film yeah, I liked it a lot also. Um, I went in with pretty high expectations um, and uh, loved a lot of the earlier Shinkai films. Not just for their visual um, splendor, and they are just gorgeous to look at, separate from anything else, separate from plot. Um, but also, uh, you know, um, he, he does the achy love story pretty well. Um, and, and this is a more pop film for him, and this is potentially a crossover film, and there's people who are talking about comparisons with Miyazaki, and I think they're completely unwarranted and wrong-headed. Um, they're completely different types of directors. But as I pointed out in my introduction, though, there, there's a comparison with Miyazaki in terms of style and content, but there's a comparison with Miyazaki in terms of the number of people he can bring into a cinema, the, yeah. and, and, and he is approaching that number now, which in is Japan, which, yeah. at a He's certain level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, right. And so, and that's very impressive, and I think it's, um, you know, I felt like he had. Um, help constructing the story, and it's a uh, you can describe what happens. I'm not, I don't want any spoilers for anyone, but you mm. can describe the setup um, in a short sentence, in one breath, and uh, you want to see it. And the film does a great job pacing wise. I mean, it's a really commercial film in a lot of ways, but still has those uh, those gorgeous elements. And similar to how we were discussing um, Silent Voices, it is a little emotionally manipulative to, put, to get two people to like each other and put them close to each other without ever having mm. um, to... Without really touching. To, to touching, but in this case, it, it, they do sort of uh, connect in a much deeper way based on the basic plot device of the film. Um, and, you know, I'm a sucker for a romantic love story at heart, you know, with a, with a happy ending. <laughs> so. I, 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 should, I should say that uh, yeah. Eric is not being deliberately evasive here. Your Name is an incredibly difficult film to describe yeah. without giving away... <laughs> A lot. Huge, huge elements, and and I've had people working for me, writers working for me, and I've sent them away to review the film. They've come back and not told me what it's about, and I'm like, what's wrong with you, you idiots? And they go, no, honestly, we can't tell you. But doesn't the trailer yeah. set it up though? The trailer mm -hmm. sets up yeah. something, yeah. but there there are certain elements. You'll have to see your name before you understand yeah. what I'm saying here. But I feel that a huge part of the film's massive success in Japan yeah. is is related to the context in which it was yes. released and the associations that the, the Japanese popular audience are bringing to it. Yeah. Um, I still don't think Shinkai has necessarily proved he can repeat those numbers. He, I, I think it's his best film so far. Yeah. I think it irons out many imperfections in his other films, even the ones that I liked. It, yeah. he, you know, he, he, he's acknowledged that there are problems that he has yeah. with timing, with pacing, with the length of the films, with the, way he, with the way scripts pay off certain things. He's fixed all those problems. However, I do wonder to what, ex to what percentage of the audience are seeing it because of a certain uh, popular sensibility yeah. in Japan at the moment that hopefully will not be repeated yeah. by the time he releases his I don't next think film. So. I, I mean, my feeling is... I had the feeling at the end um, that I could I could just sit and watch through it again. Like mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to see it again, um, and I and I and it was um, less about the um, whatever disastery elements and more about the emotional yeah. elements. Yeah. I thought it's, it's just like 
I mean, I would compare it to Titanic or something. You want to f sit through Titanic again, not to watch a mm. ship sink, but yeah, to, um, because of the love story. Spoiler for Titanic yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, honestly, I've said it to him as well, but like the director himself, it's my favorite anime film in the last three years. I think, uh, and you know, my, my favorite Japanese short story is on meeting the 100% perfect woman one fine April morning, yeah. which most of Shinkai's work is a yeah. riff on. Uh, and it's lovely to see him uh, revisit it for the third or fourth time and actually deliver the ending that everybody wants. I think he also acknowledges that. Like, oh no, he, like, he's, he's openly a, said. He's openly yeah. said this is this is my favorite story, and I keep, yeah. you know, I keep. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think he's like he's he's also acknowledged that yeah. he has no idea if the next film will do the same numbers Absolutely. as well. He's he's quite cognizant of that. So, so now that we've built this film up, I'd like to tear it down a little bit. Go ahead. Um, Go for it. So you know, I think that um, I think it's a movie and not a film. Right. Uh, yeah. If I can make that <laughs> distinction, and. Um, you know, I don't know that it'll it'll live in the um, you know fifty years from now. People are going to be looking at it as an important film, in the way Princess Kaguya is going to be remembered as an important film, or other films that I could mention. Um, um, and I you know, and I think part of its enjoyability was the fact that it it hits nice plot points and and tugs on your heartstrings and yeah. uh, moves along and gives you a couple surprises and a lot of humor, mm. um, and that's all uh, wonderful and enjoyable in the movie theater. Um, and I think Miles is will say more on this topic, but um, a lot of the gorgeous beauty in the film was just almost random gorgeous beauty. Like there's a beautiful, beautiful you know shot of the sky, yeah. but it seems unrelated to what's going on. And it's it's great that it's there in and of itself. I mean, yeah. if you look outside now, there's some gorgeous beauty outside there yeah. that isn't related to our conversation here. So that's part of life also. Mm. Um, and I don't think that's what drives this the um, you know the success of the film. I think it could have been less beautiful film and still be just as successful. Um, could it have been a live action film? No, it could no. have been a live action film. I think that uh, we had this discussion about um, <coughs> about your name and about Silent Voices. I think both of them, uh, the animation allows you to um, invest in, in the character without having to understand the complexities that you would have to, and the opinions you'd have to. Um, layer onto an actual live action character where you'll have a lot more thoughts about how much you like them or don't like them. And I think the simplicity of the, the designs of Japanese animated characters allows you just to say, okay, here's what this is, and now I know what that represents, and I'm just gonna go with it. Um, plus, the, um, the one most beautiful part of the movie, which is uh, towards the middle, where um, the main character is sort of falling into a dream world or a, some kind of strange world, where they go to see this sort of 2D hand-drawn-y kind of beautiful, beautiful color animation. I thought that was, you know, three or four minutes of yeah. some of the most spectacular thing I've seen on screen in a long time. And so that, you know, to me did have a purpose and was, uh, you know, quite remarkable. I wish more of the movie was like that, but I don't know. And, and, but, I, you know, it'll be curious to me what people think of this in the long term or, um, you know, curious how in America mainstream audiences who've, um, you know, who've, um, accepted some of the G Kids release films or the uh, Ghibli films um, outside the uh, anime, um, you know, breaking outside of the, sort of the anime ghetto, and whether this will successfully break outside the anime ghetto or not. Yeah, I, I think it will. Yeah, and I, I think that probably the best thing about this movie is that it's really good for anime as a, a medium uh, because of that. And I had been one of the 
I've been really challenging the need for this to be an animated feature. And we had a really interesting conversation. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it, it did need to be an animated feature for the reasons you described, and especially that sequence in the middle. Um, but uh, just for context here, I was outed at, well, not personally, outed uh, <laughs> as there was being a judge who was very... Uh, a Shinkai hater. Um, a Shinkai hater, yes. I, I, didn't, I didn't name you as no, a Shinkai hater. No. It could have been Shelley. I will proudly wear that badge, though. Uh, <laughs> because uh, while I did like Garden of Words quite a bit, I, I think he's not a terribly great director. Um, I think he's got some cool ideas that are always in the improper format. Yeah. But this was uh, really enjoyable. And what was remarkable is after every one of the movies prior to this, uh, you know, just in the casual conversations with other judges, they were like, well, you know, this this was, you know, they were, there was just like a, it was generally very positive, but there was always like, you know, I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about this. With your name, there was such an overwhelming uh, sensation that everyone seemed to feel, uh, and even myself, where it was just, wow, what a great experience we all just shared mm. here in this movie theater, and I think that that speaks to the power of your name. Mm. Uh, I also don't think it was very good. Mm. Um, I, I think that uh, a lot of, especially having just come from a silent voice, there was an opening sequence, a minute and a half opening sequence, like in a like TV anime for both films. Mm. Um, and in the silent voice, we learned so much about the characters, what their motivations were, who they were in that minute and a half with my generation. Uh, it was such a, I mean, it was more than a montage. It was it was the, these characters' stories and who they were as people. We had a minute and a half in the beginning of Your Name where I learned absolutely nothing about the characters. The way they moved had nothing to do with where they were. Uh, I mean, there were some nice little flourishes, like mm. you were talking about how uh, characters sitting in different ways, representing oh, yes. Yes. Uh, different states of mind, <laughs> as it were. It's a lovely moment. I don't think that's a spot. I think you know, we know it's a body swap drama. We know that the boy wakes up one day in a girl's body and the girl wakes up in the boy's body. The girl in a boy's body runs into her friends and sits and chats with them on the roof and she's trying to be inconspicuous and she's trying not to let it show. But she's sitting on her ankles, which only a girl would do in yeah. Japan. Uh, and it's just a tiny little moment, um, but it's really obvious. And also, there's this whole confusion about which pronoun she should use to describe herself. Which was yeah. Now, funny. imagine for you, if you will, rushing to get a dub done. At the same time, yeah, yeah, you can oh. get bent at this point because I know exactly why you're laughing at yeah. me on it. Because yeah, we had to work out how to translate an inherently Japanese language in, moment. In the English into, language there's only one word for I, in yeah. Japanese there's 17. So we had to adapt that quite significantly bet, to make it I work. Yeah, but it's that's like, tricky. Well I got Michael, uh, Michael and Stephanie NYV post a, a running the, yes. the show for that and if anyone I trust to arrange a yeah. script quickly and cleverly. I'm curious what they're going to do for that though because it does seem completely untranslated. They had to, we had to rework it basically so yeah. it's it's not a pronoun based issue anymore. The descriptive is why they got lost obviously on the way here so it was like they were enjoying, you know, they got lost and they were enjoying themselves as a, like, as a boy. Like, right as a, yeah, literally. So that's why they're not working on my life as a I'm so sorry about God that. damn it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a horrible human being. I don't um, know. I don't know. Maybe but pay them more. Mm, but yeah, like I mean, on this one, I'm paying quite significantly. Yeah, I bet. But yeah, like it's a rush job. But mm. um, yeah, like either way on it, it was a nightmare for like for translation, to be honest, and adaptation. Personally, though, I'm very biased about Shinkai because I have, like I, I went when we went to the license store in Japan. 
I had to point out to him that we had bought all, I personally bought all of Shinkai's films barring five centimeters per second, which fell through due to, you know, like the whole ADV situation. Mm. So it was pre my time as a buyer, mm. basically on that frontier. Yeah. And like, in, in fact, one of the films, Garden of Words, actually has my name in it on one of the book, in, in the book that she, in Garden of Words, when she gives a book to him, yeah. the authors are Andrew Partridge and Cedric Latardi. I heard about that. Which is, uh, yeah. How delightful. You actually uh, use that to get into a party in Tokyo saying, don't you know who I am? I, I've used it to get behind yeah. stage at Anime Expo to see Shinkai. It's like, well, look, you're trying to block me like I'm a crazy. Here is the book. Here is my business card. Do you want to join the dots between that name and that name? And the guy was like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, the, I the only problem with that is if you actually read what's in the book on that page. It's, it's all not kind. A practical guide to shoemaking. Yeah, yeah, I'm a really yeah. bad shoemaker, I can tell you that. Yeah. I think a lot of people have been invested in Shinkai as a... Um, I mean, Helen, Helen McCarthy, for the last 10 years, has been reacting against the, the Shinkai love and saying everyone wants him to be great everyone wants him to be this fantastic auteur but he hasn't proved it yet and you're putting an incredible amount of pressure on this 30 then he was 30 years old this 30 year old guy to suddenly become this fantastic genius I think it's very interesting that you say that Naoko Yamada is quietly just getting on with it and becoming an auteur and Shinkai definitely has a very Shinkai sort of feel to himself but I think this is the first oh, time I referenced all his other movies yeah. in this one I groaned every single time <laughs> I mean and the thing is I enjoyed the movie but it's like a Dan Brown book it's like oh this is a nice speech read and it was again super enjoyable yeah uh, I think that's a good comparison yeah, yeah I, I, I Shinkai enjoyable. the Dan Brown of anime we're not going to put that on the box <laughs> no. you can quote Maybe me on that you can quote me on that though <laughs> Anyway, um, I have to go and introduce Girls und Panzer, the film. I need to go and watch Girls und Panzer, the film. Uh, so we, we should probably wrap up, uh, wrap up at this point. I'm very pleased with the jury this year. I'm always pleased with the jury. Um, we're always, more pleased than usual. This we, year. Always, we always dodge a bullet with the jury. Uh, I mean, we've had, uh, I've just been right now, we, we've had uh, distributors, exhibitors, animators, audience members, producers, technicians, and critics on the jury so far. So we're getting a very good spread of people from different kind of walks of, of the film. I don't know what we're going to do next year. Sock puppets, maybe. Chefs. <laughs> Chefs. Yeah. We asked a group of Polish builders what they made of... Uh, yeah. And as someone who talks about anime for about 90 hours a week, for both a living and for a hobby, that was some of the most delightful conversations I've ever had about animation. Aww. So, Aww. yeah. This was... Uh, and maybe I talked too much. Maybe that was part of it. But this is a good panel. We enjoyed your talk. Very good. Well, thank you for coming. We're very pleased. Of, we're very you know pleased that you came, and we're glad yeah. that you didn't flip the table over and throw things. Uh, and thank you for the haggis. You're welcome for the haggis. We always feed them haggis, and there was a lot of whiskey consumed as well. We do what we can for the Scottish you know tourist board. <laughs> Andrew, yep. would you like to say any closing uh, words? Because I have to go and introduce the film. Uh, I would like to say it's a pleasure. Like honestly, I'm very happy with both the education day we had this year and the jury. I've mm. spent mm. normally I'm spent spending time running back and forth between two sets of yeah. guests, the judges. And Actually, we managed to get through the whole the podcast Japanese without mentioning any of the Japanese guests. We'll come back to that on another. Oh another yeah, podcast. do that another but, time. Like since there's no real cross pollination, but I spent yeah. a lot of time with the judges this year because it's rare to have such a mix of people in the same place at the same time yes. it's honestly a, a real pleasure yeah it, 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 I, I do I do love it when, yeah. when we get the jury together because we, we do spend yeah. it's a bit like Pokemon we spend ages trying to work who should we put on the jury well we can get you know Charmander but you know then but that might upgrade to, a, um, to a Char yeah you're Charmander so but, but you know and, and we do try and get like, different voices from yeah. the 
as many different angles of the film business as possible. Yeah. I'm particularly proud last year that we actually had someone who, he was he's just a member of the audience. He'd been coming yeah. for several years and he'd been writing a blog about the stuff that he'd seen. So we like what he says, let's bring him in as well. So, you know, we, we will do anything. And maybe next year we'll That's have to That's how I got in, right? That's how you got in. No, <laughs> you got in because I was bribed. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Delightful. No, you, um, we, we were very keen on you in particular because we knew oh. we'd get a piracy lecture at the education day as well. So that was, you know, it's like a twofer. It's uh, like honestly, like the, the whole point of being a judge is the, like your like your own experience, regardless of where it's from, is equally valid. Yes. And like it, you guys have provided the a very interesting conversation about stuff as well from multiple different points of view, and that's I, invaluable. I thought it was a nice mix. Group hug. Group hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Talk to you soon. Stop hugging me. Kel, no touching. No touching. <laughs> <Good job. laughs>